Generating traffic and sales can be a challenge for online merchants. But selling on the Walmart marketplace puts your products in front of millions of customers who shop on walmart.com. And right now, sellers who join Walmart Marketplace can save up to 50% on referral and fulfillment fees for the first 90 days. So get started today. Head over to marketplace.walmart.com savings. That's marketplace.walmart.com savings. Welcome to e-commerce conversations, a podcast by practical e-commerce. This is Kerry Murdoch with Practical E-Commerce. The global coronavirus pandemic is forcing many businesses to adjust to a remote, home-based workforce. Our guest today is founder and CEO of a 160-employee company that has been entirely remote since its inception seven years ago. His name is Mark Fagiano. And his company is Taxjar. Well, Mark, thank you for your time today. Thanks for having me, Kerry. We are looking forward to visiting with you, Mark. Your company, Taxjar, of course, is a leading cloud-based sales tax management solution for e-commerce merchants, which is our audience. Beyond that, you have particular expertise with the pandemic in that tax jar, as we understand it, is entirely remote. And that's what we're looking forward to, to visiting with you about today. Before we start that, could you just tell us a bit about tax jar, when it was founded, kind of expand on what you do, that sort of thing. Sure. Yeah. We started the company officially in 2013. And our mission has always been to make e-commerce easier so I'm, I'm a career entrepreneur at this point. I understand the, uh, the rigors of entrepreneurial life and I've developed over my career a real passion for trying to help entrepreneurs be successful. And one of the biggest, most painful problems that I've run into and my co-founders have run into is sales tax compliance, especially if you're on e-commerce. And we felt like uh, by, by helping solve that problem, we were... And in effect, making e-commerce easier, giving entrepreneurs a better chance to be successful and be independent and have a have a uh, career as an entrepreneur. So we do basically three things. We help folks calculate how much tax should be collected at the point of sale. We aggregate data across multiple channels. So most of our customers sell anywhere and everywhere, right? Wherever their uh, wares are going to sell, Amazon, Shopify, eBay, any marketplaces or, you know, anyways, direct to consumer. So we take all of that data and then normalize it and give it back to the seller in a format that they can use to file sales tax returns on their own in a much more efficient and time-saving way. Or they have the option to use our auto file service, which basically means we'll take care of the whole thing, soup to nuts, We'll file those sales tax returns for them and make sure that the money that they owe to the states gets remitted on time. It's certainly an essential service that you provide. No doubt about that. You founded and you launched in 2013, TaxJar. How many employees have you scaled to by now? So we're at 160 some odd employees. I think we're just barely over that as we're having this conversation. It's grown rapidly uh, in our almost seven years now. 
And it turns out that, uh, you know, it takes a lot of employees to support. We've got over 20,000 customers and it takes, uh, takes a small army to make sure that we provide the level of service that we want to provide for our customers. And all of those 160 employees work from home. That's right. Yep. So we're, we're totally remote. We're all remote. We've been that way since day one. We've never paid a dollar in rent in our entire existence. I can't claim that we started off that way uh, purposely. The few folks that started the company with me, we just happened to live in different places and knew each other really well. So we didn't have a need to be in the same room for us to be productive and figure out an idea and, and build software. And over time, really within the first year, year and a half, we realized that we were onto something. There were lots of advantages to being a, an all remote team. And that's when we made the decision to swim or sink as a, as a remote organization. And I'm really glad we did. I can't say we ever envisioned the scenario we're going through now with a pandemic uh, as a potential uh, advantage for us having, you know, we really don't have to make any changes. It's sort of, we're, we're doing our thing right now, but there are lots of other advantages and it's been a really fantastic experience for us. I suspect there are folks listening to this, owners, managers, executives that are intrigued by what you're doing. Perhaps I'll start with a couple of maybe obvious questions on that. Do you require set hours? Does everyone work to you know, the same time frame? We don't. We, we say that we're a team built on trust. And I think trust is important in any business, but it's really the whole ballgame when it comes to building an all-remote organization. There's no way that we can look over a teammate's shoulder and watch every single thing that they're doing. Not that we would ever want to do that in the first place, but it all comes down to making sure that we hire the right people, people that know how to work in this environment or are willing to learn how to work in this environment, setting them up with the right tools and right processes to make sure that they have everything that they can to do their best work. And that, you know, whether that comes down to they're working a traditional nine to five or they're working six in the morning to two in the afternoon, we don't really care. It's up to them. We hopefully do a really good job of onboarding them and making sure that they understand what their role is. And we, we rely on them to figure out what their schedule looks like and where, what times they do their best work and make sure that they, you know, there's lots of things that come with that, like communicating, right, to make sure that we know that somebody is working and doing their work on time. But there's no requirement around um, when you need to be working exactly. So once they establish their hours with you, do they keep those hours? So if it's six to two or six to three or whatever it is, do they are they consistently six to two or that, or can they just work whenever they want every day? They can do whatever they want every day. So yeah, I don't I don't think we keep track at all of what somebody's schedule is. In fact, I would make sure that we're not doing that, hmm. especially these days, right? With everybody's schedule is changing, with spouses are at home now and kids are at home. Again, if you're hiring the right people and you trust them and it's clear what they're supposed to be working on, then chances are they're going to do really great work. So, you know, if somebody works six to two one, day, one week and they change it up and want to work the exact opposite, maybe uh, for traveling reasons or something, that's totally up to them. They don't have to check in, you know, or write down their schedule anywhere for anybody to approve or anything like that. Are you involved in their workspace or work environment? 
you want them to have a separate dedicated office at home or do you do you get into that level of detail we don't have necessarily requirements we have suggestions and we screen for this when we're interviewing okay. so we you know we ask people what they expect their environment to look like you know again if you're clear on the fact that we're hiring you and we're expecting you to do your work, do it really well and do it on time. That hopefully sets the tone that people need to figure out uh, an environment that's gonna be productive for them. Most of our folks work from home. Some people work, they just prefer being in a coffee shop or something, uh, you know, maybe a co-working space. You know, we have security requirements, obviously that comes with those things. We also, uh, every new employee gets a stipend to make sure that they have everything that they need. If they want to get a standing desk or an extra monitor or something like that, we're happy to contribute there to make sure that they have everything so they can just focus on the work. So you, you'll, the stipend will cover desk, uh, computer, I assume? Right. Every new employee gets a brand new computer. We're a Mac shop, so I'd say probably 99% of our teammates have brand new MacBooks. And, you know, we try to take care of that all extremely early, obviously, mm-hmm. within the first few days of their onboarding. We have a very purposeful onboarding process that we've learned is just absolutely critical to the remote experience to make sure that every employee goes through the same experience. There's lots of different information that we make sure that they cover over a one-week onboarding period to make sure that once that first week is over, they are ready to go and are able to be productive right right away because we need them to be productive right away. Is the onboarding itself remote? It is. Yep. It's all done. Everything we do is remote. It's done mostly through Zoom, and we also use Basecamp. That's kind of where we live as a company. Mm-hmm. We, have an, we have a dedicated onboarding team now. It's really amazing. They're really good at taking feedback from every single new teammate that comes through the process and making tweaks and adjustments and improvements wherever possible to make sure that the that onboarding experience is, is the best it can be for the next teammate that comes through. Thank you, by the way, for sharing all of this. This is very, very insightful, very interesting. Yeah, of course. What's involved with the one-week onboarding? You say it's critical to get, them, get your new employees started. What do you discuss? Sure. So philosophically, what we're trying to do is essentially get a new teammate to understand how we work at TaxJar. So we understand that everybody that comes to TaxJar has historical experiences, right, good and bad, that contribute to who they are as a professional. And unfortunately, and I throw myself into this bucket as well, a lot of us have bad experiences. And maybe the experience that they're coming off, the last job that they had was a, you know, was a bad experience. And with that, they bring certain biases or baggage, if you will, right, around this is the way, this is the only way I know how to work. These processes have to be in place for me to be comfortable. And what we try to do is try to break those things down to say, okay, here's how we've been able to be successful over almost seven years now. Here's how we communicate. We don't use email. We communicate using Basecamp in these certain situations. In other situations, we prefer you to jump on a Zoom. Here's here's our philosophy between synchronous and asynchronous communication. Here's here's our team handbook where you need to go to find XYZ. Here's your team and here are all the folks that you need in case you need to contact certain people for whatever it is, right? And then every single employee spends an hour with me during that first week and I take them through the history of the company, what our goals are, 
So it's part like motivational, part informational, and get people give people a sense of what we're trying to accomplish as a company and what I expect out of each of those individuals. We believe in being really upfront, right? Like that first week is critical to whether or not they're going to be successful at the company. So let's be completely transparent around what we expect from them mm-hmm. so that they can have a great experience with the company. Otherwise, you get two or three months down the road and maybe there's an issue and somebody can come back to us and say, look, you never told me that that was important or you never told me that I was required to do that. And that's on us, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. uh, we like to have those conversations up front and make sure that uh, folks understand all that's expected of them and all the tools that are available to, to them to be successful. Comparing TaxJar with your other entrepreneurial efforts that you that you alluded to, do you find it's relatively easier to attract employees with a remote setup? It is, for sure. So we don't, knock on wood, we don't really have a big challenge in terms of recruiting. So part of that is the remote factor, right? There are, and I've seen it just over the last seven years, how much more popular this way of working has become, right? Mm-hmm. People don't question it anymore. They don't, you know, at the beginning, it was much more of a curiosity and it was hard to find people who had remote experience. That is not true now. And, you know, success also brings with it a lot of credibility too, right? So in the early years, we had to convince people that, you know, we were a viable business. We were not going to go out of business. We had enough money to survive. And, you know, now that we're past that phase, we have a really good story to be able to tell to say, we're in a space that has loads of opportunity. We have really great teammates that you'd be working with and, and a really interesting challenge. And one of the biggest things that I've learned along the way is if, if you give really great, smart, intelligent people a challenge, they relish that and they really want to do that with other teammates that they enjoy being with. If you can get those two things right, then the sky's the limit. You know, for the most part, we've been able to do that and we can sell that as our pitch, right? When we're talking to folks that want to join the company and they get really excited about that. And that just, that just kind of continues to build and helps us recruit better and better people as the years go on. That is awesome. You mentioned the sort of the tools that you have. You mentioned Basecamp and Zoom. Are those, are those the two principal ways that employees communicate internally, Basecamp and Zoom? Yes. No email, no text? Yeah, no text. Yeah, no text at all. Email is just for external. You know, maybe our partner team needs to use it or our sales team needs to use it. But we don't want people emailing each other to communicate within the team. Basecamp provides all of that. And Basecamp, we look at it as the home for asynchronous communication, right? So somebody posts something and says, hey, I have an idea. What do people think? Um, It's not urgent, right? It's uh, amenable to all sorts of different time zones, right? So if if I post it and I'm on the East Coast, that post will last a few days, right? Give everybody a chance to read it and put some deep thought into it and react to it. Maybe, you know, hopefully we get uh, to a decision and commit to that. If there are issues or things that are more urgent, unfortunately, we're fortunately and unfortunately, we are in a business that does lend itself to a certain amount of urgency because there are sales tax deadlines, right? We can't ignore those. Mm -hmm. So sometimes there are things that need to be decided quicker. And that's when we urge people to jump on a Zoom call and have that conversation face-to-face. It's just much more efficient. And, you know, you also gain a lot more from just seeing people's faces when when you're making a critical 
decision together. Yeah, that makes sense. 160 employees. How many states are you in? Oh, gosh. Uh, I've lost track. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's close to 40, if not over at this point. I mean, we're, we've got pretty good coverage. So. And their employees are not contractors, so you're dealing with state withholding, yes. unemployment tax, all of that. Yeah, we, that was something that we uh, definitely did not see coming when we made the decision to commit to this for the long term. I mean, the amount of compliance that we have to do as a remote business is pretty alarming. There's all sorts of things that we need to keep track of, and we've had to hire around that, right, to make sure that we have somebody watching at all times. I mean, this whole COVID situation is a perfect example. There's all sorts of legislation being run through the states now in terms of paid leave and sick leave and all those kinds of stuff. We have to make sure that we're on top of that and understand those rules, you know, in case we have situations along those lines within our company. Yeah, I can see that. You mentioned security. What are security issues with a, a remote workforce? So I won't claim to be a security expert by, by any means, but, you know, I think about the basics are, one is we've got 20,000 paying customers. We've had a, a number of other customers who have either paid us at one point or tried out the product. And we have lots of data that is, we take very seriously the fact that we own the protection of that data. So, you know, there are a lot of people in the world that would love to have that data, right? So we have to make sure that we're doing everything we can to protect our customers. We take that really seriously. And that that comes in a couple of forms. One is kind of the traditional protection around servers and processes and making sure that nothing gets exposed in the website itself that somebody could hack through, but also just physically on hardware too, right? So making sure that all of our hardware, we've got 160 laptops throughout the country and making sure that all of those stay up to date and um, any security flaws that either come up through Mac or any of the other tools that we're using get instantly fixed. And we have a Excuse me, we have a security team that does a phenomenal job with that. So that's those are things, too, that you, you learn as you go, right? To, hey, oh, wow, we actually need somebody to watch this stuff 24-7. And uh, I'm glad we do because we have a great team that does that. I suspect, again, there are other owners and entrepreneurs listening to this. What's your advice to them? Let's say that we're all in the pandemic situation. What's your advice to them in terms of going forward? Trusting and having folks work from home. Well, I mean, there's lots there. Uh, I, I talked to lots of CEOs and business owners, especially lately, and uh, nobody has a crystal clear answer of what things are going to look like in the future. I think of a couple of things. Remaining calm is number one, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all scared and we're all stressed and um, I think it's really important to keep a calm hand and calm demeanor when you're talking to your teams. Um, I try to keep that in mind. I just think it's really important to set the tone there. I also think it's really important to be prepared, right? So we're we're running through all sorts of different scenarios on our side. You know, what if this happens or what if that happens? Where do we go from there? I'm a big believer in being prepared and and planning, not just letting things happen and hoping for the best. So hopefully uh, the people I have talked to are, are definitely doing that. They're not just kind of waiting around, hoping this all blows over. Um, uh, for sure. And in terms of the whole remote thing, you know, it really comes down to trust. Like I said before, honestly, I, I know for some folks that might be a really hard transition 
to have that level of trust in their employees, but the more that they can show that they trust their employees now that they are out of their sites, uh, their literal site, the better experience that they're going to have, you know, as we're trying to get through this. And the last thing I think of, there's lots of stuff yeah. and I won't bore you with all of them, no, but no, tell me. I, the, the, the thing that I have been really adamant about talking to people who are, have first time remote employees because of this whole situation is you better be thinking about what happens when it's time for everybody to go back to the office and some people will not want to, right? Mm-hmm. This is not going to be the greatest experience for everyone, but there is going to be a, I think, a significant subset of uh, workers out there who are going to love being at home and they're going to resist going back. I think that's going to cause problems for some organizations. I think they need to be ready to either be more flexible with their remote policies or rethink whether or not they want to have a future in an office paying all that rent. But I I do think that level of decision-making is going to be required because I I think this is going to be a good experience for, you know, a a lot of people out there. I've read remote workforces are frequently more productive, just to kind of follow up on what you're saying. So when all this blows over, would you say your workforce is more productive than if you required everyone to come into the office? Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah, no question about it. And this is... Just the work-life integration itself provides for a much higher level of execution, more than I've ever seen in my entire career. You know, when you remove the hours per day in a commute and the stress that goes with that, um, and you allow folks the flexibility to take care of stuff at home, go to kids' baseball games or doctor's appointments or whatever that is, that just turns into a much happier employee. And there are a number of benefits beyond that. but we see a very high level of execution. And I just think people are going to be really attracted to that level of work-life integration. They've never had the chance to do it. They still are being as productive, but they're also getting stuff done at home and they're taking care of their kids. And I think that's going to be a tough thing to pull them from and, and force them to go back into a car every morning and sit in that car for an hour commute just to get into uh, in, into the office. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, it certainly will. Anything else on your mind today, Mark? Thank you again for sharing this information. It's very, very helpful for lots of folks. Yeah, appreciate the opportunity. We're reaping the benefits of being remote, and we're certainly lucky that we are a remote team, especially during this crazy time. We don't take that for granted, uh, how lucky we are that we're not having to learn how to do this on the fly. My heart goes out to all of the small businesses out there that are trying to figure this out. And internally, how we're looked at this is with over 20,000 customers, we get to help out a heck of a lot of businesses by just trying to provide even better service and improve our product. Because our team is like so passionate about trying to make sure that every business that we know, right, can come out of this on the other side and, and get back to work and get back to normal. So it's sad to think about the fact that every one of those businesses is probably not going to make it. Um, but we're doing everything that we can to make sure that we're a good resource of information. You know, we're there in case folks need to talk through certain scenarios with their business when it comes to sales tax compliance. And we're trying to make our product even better during these demanding times. I'm happy to talk to other entrepreneurs or other folks that are trying to think through the same things as well. Um, and provide whatever help. I think we all owe it to each other as entrepreneurs to be there for each other right now and to figure out ways to help uh, help us all get through this time. 
It's very generous of you. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. For purposes of our listeners, I've been visiting with Mark Faggiano. Mark is the founder and CEO of TaxJar. That's TaxJar.com. TaxJar is a leading sales tax compliance and management platform, cloud-based platform. Once more, that's at TaxJar.com. And Mark, thank you, sir, for your time. Thanks so much, Jerry. Thank you.